Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos, everybody. Good Afrilach Hanukkah, everybody. And today, before we get started with Parshas Miketz, tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Miketz. Today is the last day of Hanukkah. And because we read this morning the completion of all the korbanos that the Nesim, the princes, brought at the time of the dedication of the Mishkan, in the desert, and there is that recapitulation of all the gifts, beginning with the words Zos Hanukkah. The day has the connotation and is called Zos Hanukkah, and especially in the Hasidic community, we find extensive writings on the power of this day. The Maral teaches that the number seven represents nature, seven days of the week, seven notes for music, seven wisdoms, and Hanukkah is eight days, because Hanukkah is lemalo me'ateva, is beyond nature. And therefore, well, no wonder, number one, we, the, the few, as we've been saying throughout the week of Hanukkah, the few defeated the many, and the oil, a little bit of oil, as we know, burned for eight days. And therefore, if Hanukkah is teva, above and beyond the natural phenomena of the world, the last day of Hanukkah is even higher because it is doubly eight, the eighth day of the eight days of Hanukkah, Shmini Shebeshminis. It's a day of miracles, and they taught that even, quote, simple Jews, even though there's no such thing as a simple Jew, but even without the title Rebbe, can draw Yeshuos from this day. And clearly, all of us should take the time to, to today, not only as you did this morning in your tefillos, this afternoon when you dive in Mincha, but everybody should take time today for a few moments and say a few chapters of Tehillim on behalf of Achenu Kobes Yisrael, the Jewish people, specifically for the Chayolim, to daven for their safe return, to daven that they should have Kfitzas Aderech, a speedy return, and that we should be Zolcheh, to fulfill Timcha Ezecher Amalek, which is exactly what we are doing, defeating a people whose raison d'etre is Lo'olenu, to destroy Klal Yisrael. And through this, we should please God bring a beautiful act of Kiddush Hashem and sanctifying God's name throughout the world. Okay, let's get down to business. Parshas Miketz. In Parshas Miketz, in Perik Mem Aleph, right before we are taught that Yosef's brothers come down to Mitzrayim to buy food, we're taught that Yosef called the name of his firstborn son Menashe. Because, as the Pasuk says, Kinashani Elukim is Kol Amali, is Kol Beis Ali. 
because Hashem has made me forget all my hardships and all my father's household. Now the first explanation given by the Torah for the name is most understandable. Yosef, who encountered many challenging episodes, being sold, being accused falsely, being in jail, he uh, encounters trials, tribulations. It's understandable that he gives thanks to Hashem for enabling him to forget and create a family after all his setbacks. However, the second reason is most difficult to understand. What does it mean that Joseph gives thanks to Hashem for enabling him to forget his father's home? It is clear from the way our Chachamim understand the text of the Torah that Joseph never forgot his father, his household, and his roots. Proof in Parshas Vayeshev. Last week, when Yosef overcomes his natural temptation and flees from the advances of his master's wife, Rashi cites what gave Yosef the incredible strength to overcome the natural desires. And Rashi quotes the Tanhuma that it was the vision of his father, Yaakov, that enabled him to avoid sin. This shows that Yaakov still played a major role in his life. And similarly, in next week's Pasha, we are taught that when Yaakov sees the Agolos, the wagons that Yosef had sent to transport him down to Mitzrayim, the Torah says, Vatachi, Ruach, Yaakov, Abiyem, the spirit of Yaakov was revived. And the rabbis understand that the word Agolos represents either Sheish, Eglos Tzav, which were the six wagons that the twelve princes of Israel donated to carry the Mishkan, as found in Parshas Noso, chapter 6, verse 3, or to remind Yaakov of the last Torah topic that they studied together, namely the laws of Eglah Rufa, the incident of a murdered body found in Israel. Regardless, it shows one thing, that Yosef did not forget the Torah he learned in Yaakov's house, even after 22 years of separation. So how are we to understand the name Manasha to mean that Hashem helped Yosef forget his father's home? I'd like to share an explanation given by Reb Simcha Zisel Brody, Zechron Levracha, Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva's Hebron. He cites the Gemara in Baba Metziah, Pehei which teaches that when Reb Zeira, who studied in Babel, decided to move and study in Eretz Yisrael under Reb Yochanan, he fasted 100 fasts to forget the Torah of Babel, thereby enabling him excuse me, to more easily absorb the Torah of Eretz Yisrael. He did not literally forget the Babylonian Talmud, but was eager to absorb the new approach to Talmud Torah in Eretz Yisrael. Unlike the Babylonian Talmud, which is replete with arguments between the rabbis, the Jerusalem Talmud is significantly more devoid of friction between the scholars 
and more straightforward in the implementation and explanation of Jewish law. Reb Zeyra demonstrated the ability to adapt from one community to another. And at the end of Parshas Toldos, Yitzchak instructs Yaakov to leave his home, to leave the land of Israel, and marry one of his cousins, the daughters of his uncle Lavan. There's a long Rashi on the closing verse in Toldos, which provides an extensive commentary that proves that between Yaakov's leaving home and arriving at uncle's home, there was a 14-year gap. And the rabbis attribute these 14 years to Yaakov's learning, having spent 14 years at the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. Now why was this detour necessary? So Yaakov Kamenetsky Zatzal, in his Emesli Yaakov, teaches that while Yaakov studied much Torah with his father, that was Torah appropriate for Eretz Yisrael. Now that Yaakov was going to Chutzla Eretz, he needed to study Torah that could be maintained in different surroundings and challenges, the Torah of Golas. It is this knowledge that our rabbis teach us that Yaakov taught his son Yosef. Indeed, this is why Yosef calls his son Menashe, listen carefully, as he was thanking Hashem for helping him forget the manner of observance in Eretz Yisrael and helping him adapt to his new challenge and surroundings. As Yosef adopted and forgot his previous lifestyle, it behooves us to unfortunately take a new look and re-examine what has been, for many, a normative behavioral pattern for almost a hundred years. I'm referring to the mode whereby many Jewish and even Torah-observant families enroll their college-age students in universities after high school. There, they receive higher education that enables them to advance both individually and to enrich society. The presence of nearby Chabad, Hillel, Shi'urim on many campuses has helped sustain and maintain a positive Jewish identification for numerous Jewish students throughout the country. However, ouch, since October 7th there has been an immediate unleashing of anti-Israel, anti-Semitic pronouncements throughout much of the civilized world, especially on college campuses. But perhaps was always there beneath the surface of Esau, Sone, Liako, that Esau, unfortunately, translating it literally, hates Yaakov, has now come out of the woodwork, making, on the one hand, Jewish students who have loyalty and devotion to Israel feel, unfortunately, either threatened or uncomfortable in their academic surroundings. Even worse, a great percentage of Jewish students were themselves uneducated about the history of Israel, its values for human life, and its humanitarian gestures 
of urging civilians to leave Gaza and avoid being caught up in the military conflict. These students are subject to propaganda found both, unfortunately, in the classroom and in the student activities on campus. We have to learn from Yosef Hatzadik that what worked before might not work in the future. Jewish parents must come to realize the high cost we pay for free speech. They must be informed that there are valid Jewish alternatives to the present challenging secular college campuses where in the name of free speech a great disconnect can be created between our promising Jewish student population and our proud Jewish heritage. What is at stake on secular college campuses today is nothing less than the essence of our identity as the people of the book, risking the loss of a generation's connection to the profound and timeless wisdom that our sacred texts and tradition offer. May we learn the lesson of Yosef HaTzadik and just as the Svas Emes understands that we just finished the mitzvah of Hanukkah and for how long were the candles supposed to burn? So the literal translation is and that's how we get to the half an hour that the candles are to burn when people stopped walking in the street. There was no lights outside. When it was completely dark, that's when they lit the candles. However, the Svasemis understands Tichla Rego, not just the word foot, but regilus, that which we are accustomed to. We are creatures of habit. This is what I did. This is what my grandfather did. And in many ways, we are to continue. But one has to know that there are times that we have to start changing our attitude, our perspective. And that's what I pray we're going to learn from Miketz, from Yosef Atzadik, and Mitzvah Lefarsim. It's important to publicize this, just as we publicize the Hanukkah Menorah. It's important to publicize this idea, especially to our not yet observant relatives, that they should know that having Jewish students on many secular college campuses is nothing less than a threat to their Jewish identity. Shabbat Shalom to all.